welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BNET Talks Press. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Own the Microphone. Bridget McGowan here, and I have with me today a ball of energy, a ball of fire. I have with me Pablo Gonzalez. Welcome to Own the Microphone, Pablo. Thank you for having me, Bridget. If you're going to say I'm a ball of fire, I'm going to come in here hot. What's going on? <laughs> That's what you do. That's what you I do. Want to, you want to give the performance that you would want to experience if you were in the audience, right? 100%. I'm here to show out. Like you say, let's do it. Show up and show out. Pablo, what do you usually speak on? I speak on essentially everything related to human connection and building relationships, namely how to network and the idea that the future of business development is community creation. So I speak on relationship building on a digital scale for the future and how to walk into any room and get to know people and build relationships that way. How do you make human connections or build relationships from the stage when you're a speaker and you've got 200 people, 400 eyes staring back at you? You keep it small, right? Like when, when, you were, when you're on a live stage in front of a live audience, you talk to like you're talking to one person, right? Like if you are, if you're able to make eye contact with the people in the front row and maybe, I don't know, 15 rows back, I had LASIK done not too long ago. So my eyes, my, 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 my vision's real good, but you make it personal, right? Like people are in a group. You have to understand that the context is everything. People are, are in a collective group, but when they're listening to you, it's just their ear listening to you. They're not a number in their head. They are, they are a person. They're one person, not just part of this group. So the more that you can personalize things, the more that you can use pronouns like you instead of y'all or you guys or people, right? You, him, her, say a name. If you know somebody's in the audience, say their name. If you can keep eye contact with one person for not just that like glance over, look real quick and look the other way, but keep eye contact as you deliver a point and then move to the next person and keep eye contact as you deliver a point. When you are standing still moving across the stage, you will greatly increase that one-to-one connection that you can make. Did you always know that you had this gift or this talent of human connectivity or is it something that developed over time? You know, it's, it's funny, Bridget. I, my, my earliest memory, th- the answer is yes. The answer is, the answer is I grew up like this because I was shaped like this very, very young, but it comes from a feeling of being an outsider. My, my, I'm number one, I'm the most American person in my family. My earliest memory, my formative memory is walking into my preschool, first day of school, knowing that I was the only kid that didn't speak English. And lucky for me, there was another kid, Jose Garrido, who's still my BFF to this day, that spoke Spanish. And I learned it real quick at that age. But a year later, my family moved to Spain and enrolled me in a British academy. And then I had the opposite moment. I walked in thinking I knew Spanish and English. And when I get there, I realized I don't understand the British dialect and I don't understand the Spanish dialect. And once again, I was right back to zero, feeling like an outsider in the world. And, and that has shaped me forever. So I've always been this person that really, really cares about like, when I walk into a room, how do I feel like I belong? And it has also evolved to when somebody else walks into a room, how do I make sure that nobody has that feeling? And, and as I, it, it was this, it, it led me to being this like really gregarious kid, right? Like at, at first, for the first, I would say 31 years of my life, 
my move was to be funny and entertaining. And I, you know, I, I watched Ace Ventura and I could quote the whole movie and every single sentence that I could say. But as I, as I got into my thirties and still driven by my need to, to, to feel like I belong at all points, I realized that the way that you build a relationship with people isn't just to be funny, right? Like that has its place. It has entertainment has its value, but the real way that you make these lasting relationships with people is by creating value for other people, right? So like now the, now it's not just the loudest, most entertaining person in the room, but the most valuable person in the room tends to make the best relationships and the most relationships. And that's really what I have focused on in my thirties and now in my forties. You said something that made me remember a phrase that I absolutely love. The loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. But now I'm going to amend it and add, but if you bring value, then it's okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%, 100%, right? Like that that's what it's all about. To me, it's about what you are doing for others. I believe human beings are happiest when they are in service and you know, what you are doing for others is what ends up mattering. You, you know how, you, you know how it is, right? Like people don't remember what you say or what you do. They remember how they make you feel, man. Like they, if you're, if you're making other people feel valuable, if you're bringing something to their life that, that makes them feel, makes them go from a past state of like, these were my fears and these were my hopes to now I have less fears or now I'm closer to my hopes and dreams. You're going to be remembered forever. And, and that's the most valuable thing that you can be, whether you're loud or you're quiet, however you want to do it. But the other thing I'm going to say is context is everything, right? Like, I think you understand that. Absolutely. I, I'm thinking about what you said in terms of your experience walking into that, that preschool and then walking into that school in Spain and how you realized very early on that you had this talent, this natural ability of connecting with other people. So I am going to challenge listeners to think about what is something that has always been with you as a child? What is something that sets you apart from everybody else? Was it a gift of gab? Was it a thing for numbers? Was it uh, an ability to create gorgeous art or manipulate objects? I don't know. Think about what is something that has just always been with you. You you do it effortlessly and it brings value. That may very well be the key to figuring out what is your core speaking message. Yeah. What is... That's yes, really that good, thing. Bridget. So, so I, I have to think, so I, I sorry that I, you got me all pumped up, right? So <laughs> You're good. Yeah, thank you. I got to think that our friend that's listening to us right now in their ears, there's, there's a solid chance that they're an extrovert and they want to speak better, but there's also a solid chance that they're an introvert trying to get over a fear of public speaking. And at the end of the day, I find that introverts have this very inherent elevated value of observation. Right. So don't don't pigeon yourself into what are you able to to come up with, blah, blah, blah. You know, give yourself the credit to not just attribute these valuable things that have marked you as kind of the way that you show up and play offense. But maybe maybe give yourself the credit to 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 have the reactionary observational values, recontextualization values. Um, and the confidence to be in silence and think before you speak as one of those things. That could be it. That could be your superpower. And that's really valuable to somebody that's going a bajillion miles an hour like me. (laughs) The funny thing is I'm over here looking like a bobblehead doll, Pablo, because I wrote a blog post 
about which one is a better presenter. Is it an extrovert or an introvert? And actually, because of one of those characteristics you outline, their power of observation, they tend to pay close attention to everything going on around them. Because of that, it can make an introvert, introvert an incredibly powerful speaker. Introverts are incredibly self-aware. And this bodes well for their speaking before they utter a thought, They carefully scrutinize their words. They pay keen attention to the entire packaging of their message. And they're not quick to jump on the microphone without first carefully analyzing any combination of their appearance, their body language, and any other nonverbal communication, uh, how their messaging is going to be received. They're looking at facial expressions and All of this works so well for introverts. And so during those impromptu moments, when an introvert is called upon to say a few words, we've been in those moments at a cocktail party, at a networking event, when they're called upon in these impromptu moments to just have a couple of words, they're not eager to speak up because they do not have anything to say that is put together the way they want it to be put together. It's not because they don't have anything to say. It's because they've not had enough time to organize their thoughts and ensure what they say is going to produce a quality message, even if it is only to say a few words. They're very observant and they don't want to show up looking or sounding less than polished, uh, point blank. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, what you're saying to me. And I would also say that they like to be polished, but they've also, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the idea that every man I meet is in some way my superior and in that I can learn from them. Right. And, and to me, an introvert, because they are so introspective and they are so self-aware, they can, to me, that's empathy, right? Like to me, that that enables the empathy of understanding who is receiving the message because they're so used to being the receiver of the message that that great value of experience as the recipient of a message is inherently valuable, right? Like I, I know we were just talking about that, that you like to say that give the presentation you would like to see. For me, when I'm talking about relationship building, I love to tell people that you never start a conversation with anybody. You, your best shot is to join the conversation that's already happening inside their head, right? So like, instead of, instead of approaching communications from a level of like, what can I say to somebody? You need to approach it from what can they listen to? What can they understand? What can they hear? And introverts are inherently good at that. They're very, I mean, they're very, very good at that. They have this tendency to, uh, you know, just have a great sense of observation. And because of that, they can pick up on those vibes from audiences. And they they know if they're getting a positive vibe, then they're on the right trajectory. But if the body language out in the audience is telling them otherwise, then they know that they need to do something different. They, they need to do something differently. They need to change course and make sure that they're not losing the momentum that they've already built up. And they're the type where they're not going to be someone who's going to deliver a presentation at all costs while ignoring those telltale signs of negativity coming from the audience. So anyway, I could go on and on and on about how introverts are mistaken as people who are not powerful speakers and that just could not be further from the truth. It's not the one who has the gift of gab who is going to own the microphone all the time. Anybody who puts 
conscious thought into what they're doing on that microphone is going to do an amazing job. Yep. Now, Pablo, what drives you to do an amazing job when you are on the microphone? I think it's my mission, Bridget, right? Like I, I'm a really big believer that we really need to start seeing the other person in front of us more as an asset than as a threat, right? Like that, that belief that every man I meet is in some way my superior and in that I will learn from them, right? That is a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that I butcher all the time. But, you know, we are, we are in this world that no matter what you think is the cause of it, we are going to have less land per people, in the future, right? Like cities are going to be super dense. There's going to be migrations, be it either sea level rise or just life expectancy versus land mass, right? Like it's, it's going to continue to increase and we're going to continue to densify. And, and if there's anything that the world has taught us is that, you know, groups of people clashing together lead to terrible things. They lead to a lot of pain and suffering. And I think that if I can really effectively get the message across that everybody sitting across the table from you, especially if they're really, really different from you, offers you value and offers you something that you can learn from that will improve your life. And I can make as many people understand that as possible, then we are headed towards a future where we're all learning from each other. We're going to make the world a better place. If we don't understand that, we're headed to a future full of war. So for me, what, what really brings it out of me on the mic is talking about that stuff, is talking about the idea that, you know, there is nothing more important than community. There is nothing more important than your ability to communicate and to, and, to, and to, you know, really be able to effectively bring out the value of the people around you and pair that with your own value and accomplish great things. And, and, and there's, you know, to me, there's nothing more important than, than us understanding that as soon as possible. You remind me of something I like to tell audiences, and that is when you shine the light on everyone else in the room, you are the one who ends up shining, actually. When you brag about a great question that someone asked, or when you praise someone for making an interesting contribution, when you make the other person feel like the most important person in the room, then it's you who becomes the most important person in the room. And I say, I like to share that with audiences, not audiences, but fellow speakers or people who are wanting to up their speaking game. When you turn around and think about how can I build up this audience? How can I put them on pedestals? How can I make them feel like a billion bucks? Then that's when you end up looking like this total rock star on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, you, you know, you know, we just talked about it, right? My whole thing is, don't try to be the star of the stage. Be the stage. Be the stage itself, right? Like, the more that you can put people on, the better you're going to do. The idea of guilty by association is the oldest branding and marketing technique in the world, right? Like, and and at the end of the day, a stage is a really, really powerful tool, Bridget. Right? Like, I for me, it really, it really dawned on me when in my in my mid thirties, I had you know, I had this career in construction and I became a green building expert. And then I started a a green building consulting company. And then I got acquired by my biggest customer. And in the meantime, I got really, really involved in the community of Miami. And I, and I got on a couple of boards and a couple of charities and formed a couple of different young professional groups, which led me to being a really skilled networker and public speaker. And, 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 you know, like all these, all these amazing truths that I now speak about, I learned cutting my teeth within the nonprofit sector. And there was one moment 
where I felt completely pigeonholed in my career. I was, you know, I had been bought out by a hospital builder to be their director of sustainability. And I thought that, man, now I made it. But like in a year and a half, I realized really they just, you know, prepaid for my contract and bought my soul and then stuck me in a corner to die because it wasn't part of their, their career trajectory or whatever. And I, I was trying to figure out how to be more valuable within my company. And last minute, my CEO was supposed to speak on a panel about smart cities in front of the Economic Development Agency of Miami and decides he doesn't want to go, right? Half an hour before the event. So like, Pablo, you go. So I get in my car, Miami traffic sucks. So does parking in, in Brickle where this thing was in downtown Miami. But I get there in the nick of time. I don't have time to process anything, but I get there and I share the stage about, it's this thing about smart cities, right? And I share the stage with the head of Latin America for Cisco Systems and the head of the Smart Cities Initiative for the World Economic Bank or the International Monetary. I, two people I don't belong on stage with, right? So like, finally, when I come off of the stage, I just, I just get up there and I do my thing, right? Because at this point I'm prepared because I've given enough panel stuff and, and I'm in my zone. When I come off of the stage is the first time ever that I had a line six people deep waiting to talk to me. And as I'm like talking, I'm like, oh, this is cool, right? Like I like attention. So um, as, as I'm like cycling through these people, I'm like, man, oh, everybody here thinks I'm just more important than I am. What's going on? And it dawns on me that the stage is this like major validation tool, right? Like the brain justifies what it sees, not the other way around. And if you're in the audience and you see somebody on stage, you're automatically attributing like an extra weight to their skill set to what they're speaking about, right? Like the same as they say, don't believe everything you see on TV because that's the stage, right? Like that is happening, right? And then on top of that, I was like, oh, okay. Plus I just shared the stage with two people of like a really, really high ilk. And therefore all that credibility was shared with me. So my immediate move was, and I think this is the moment in my life, like one of these like moments in my life where I'm like, ah, this could have gone two ways and thank God it went this way. But my immediate thought wasn't how can I get on more stages? It was how can I provide more stages for other people to give them this feeling to get mine, right? So immediately I reached out to a developer in South Miami that was building this like high rise in Coral Gables. That's a high income, low density residential area across from University of Miami, but they were building it on top of the Metro Rail Station. So while the residents of Coral Gables are like, we don't want a high rise in our backyard, I knew that this was transit oriented development and it was incentivizing transportation, you know, public transportation investment for the city of Miami. So I reached out to the developer. I'm like, hey, listen, man, I care about this stuff. I want to have an event put you on stage with a politician on the board of one of my charities, a land use attorney that, you know, I started this Habitat Young Professionals group with, and I want to talk about trans-oriented development to my young professional groups, took me up on the offer immediately, had this event for them. A week later, he's in, he, he, we're backdooring the $60 million project that we previously had no shot at, right? So like, to me, it was like, boom, stage, validation, giving stages for other will give you access to anything that you want. So and I think about this in the macro level of like, how can I actually provide a physical stage for people to a micro level from how can I share the stage with the audience, right? How can I say the audience member's name so that they feel validated that their question was brought up and, and, and they feel like they are, they're a piece of ownership. When I introduce people via email, I think of the email as how can I put two little paragraphs where I put one person on a stage and the other person on a stage and then bring them together. Right. So like, to me, everything is, is about the leverage of the stage and making people feel like they're a part of it. Not so much that they're watching me because then they get to feel that amazing validation that whatever they care about and whatever they're thinking has that weight. 
Ooh, I wrote down a couple of things that are going that I'm going to put on bumper stickers, okay, or on t shirts. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. Everything is about the leverage of the stage. The brain justifies what it sees. Ah, everybody, listen, Pablo is the inventor of the relationship flywheel. He's obsessed, as you have heard, with human connection. And he has used his, exper his expertise to manage a 120-person, $15 million construction business at the age of 25. He's built various young professional groups for charities, and he has been named a Latino leader of the future by Latino Leaders Magazine, and he's been named a top 20 under 40 for Brickle Magazine. This has led to him becoming the founder and chief executive connector of Be The Stage, a content marketing and community creation agency, proving that community creation is the future of business development. He's the host of the Chief Executive Connector podcast and the Not Your Average Investor show, and he is an award-winning speaker. And he is going to completely cringe when I ask him this next question, given the fact he's an award-winning speaker. Pablo, what is a mistake you have made as a speaker? What's the biggest mistake, and how did you fix it? First of all, I want to say I love what you just did there. That's really cool. I've been on a bunch of podcasts. I've never had anybody like weave in the intro to the, in the middle of the podcast, completely contextualize like props, Bridget. That's cool. I like that. Thank you. Second, you know, <laughs> I think the biggest mistake you can do as a speaker is to take it for granted, right? Like just showing up underprepared is that there, there's just no excuse for that. Any, anytime, anytime that I have, I have done that, that I'd be like, nah, you know what? I know my material. You know what? I know the room. You know what? I'm, I'm good. I'm funny. I'm cool. Whatever. I always walk away beating myself up about it. I really do. Like I, I like I, you know, just I'm, I, right now I'm getting pissed off just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> the couple of times that, that, that that's happened. Um, you know, how do you correct that is don't do it, right? Like work, prepare, right? You know, look up, contextualize, right? Everything in communications is about context. So no matter how well you know your material, whatever marginal time you spend understanding the audience a little bit better to refine your speaking point to a pain point that they actually have versus a universal pain point, Anytime that you spend a little extra time getting to know the room so that while you're speaking, you can call something out that's happening in real time. So people are like, oh my God, this isn't just a canned bit. Anytime that you can know, I don't know what city you're in and whatever the customs of that city that you can make some kind of reference about the local food or a local restaurant, any of that stuff will multiply the effect of your message and will more importantly make the audience, make the one listener that's listening to you, right? When you're in a room of a hundred people, if like five people end up taking something from your talk and changing their life with it, then you're crushing it. So like anything that you can do to make that from five to 10 or even five to six, or just not make it down to one or two or zero, anything that you can do will absolutely change the trajectory of your life because it all compounds. This reminds me of something that is a huge pet peeve of mine. I was getting heated too, Pablo. I was getting a little worked up too when I think about people who phone it in or just kind of wing it. Or this is what I was reminded of that got me really peeved, really, really 
chaps my hide is when someone says as they're doing a presentation as they're making a presentation <laughs> I, I know I, I'm, I'm sorry I know that's a lot of information that is a lack of preparation. That is a sign where you did not pull together your presentation and fully prepare. You didn't use the rule of three or the, or the rule of five, which is only cover three or five topics. Stick to that, bring impact, and bring some kind of value. And speaking of value, when you make that statement in your presentation, I'm sorry, I, I know that's a lot of information, that does not add any kind of value to your presentation. It actually calls attention to your lack of preparation. And you should not have to offer up apologies if you absolutely did pre prepare and deliver an exceptional experience. Next, that does not make you appear impressive. And I know that's what people are thinking. They, they think when they say, <laughs> I know that's a lot of information. It's code for, wow, we look at me. I'm so knowledgeable. Yeah, and I just flooded you with all of this information. Nobody wants a lot of information. It equates to an information dump. And your audience does not want to drink from a fire hose when you're presenting. It wants to take manageable, manageable sips of information, sips of water. And they want those chunks of information given to them so that they have these intervals to think about what it means and how they can use it and why they should use it. What your audience wants is an organized packaging of information, transformation, whatever you want to call it, content that everybody can easily follow and that is memorable long after your presentation has concluded. If you do not endeavor to make that kind of impression on your audience, sit down, stay at the house, don't even get out of the bed. <laughs> to your audience it's, yeah. it's not fair when you just decide to just jump up and just just slap something together that's not what they came to hear that's just that's it's so preach. selfish to just say i'm just gonna get up here and wing it yeah preach preach like not not, not only is it not fair to your audience but guess what that thing that you've been blessed with that pedestal that you've been put on that lever that somebody just gave you a validation to make an impact you just took it from somebody else Somebody else could have been doing that. Somebody else could have been putting their value into the world and making everybody else's life better. So I don't forgive you if you say I'm sorry on stage. There you go. There you go. Time for the lightning round. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a sound effects uh I can't even think of the word that board, I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Who needs that when you've got Pablo Gonzalez in the house? Yeah. Suit and tie or shirt and pants? Man, I'm a blazer and no tie guy. Like, like this, is, this is how I like to show up. I, 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 am a, I am a blazer, no tie guy or short sleeve button down guy. Like that is, that is my move. And it's because I'm a skinny fat guy. I don't have wide shoulders and I have like a funny, and I have like a funny body type. And that's just how I roll. Skinny fat guy. Now you're going to make me go out and find a full body picture of you. Now I have a hundred things to do, but this is getting added to the agenda. All, all you got to think about is like an oddly squeezed tub of toothpaste. That's all you got to think about. That's, that's how I <laughs> Oh, this is supposed to be the lightning round. It's completely imploded here. Okay. Do <laughs> okay. All right. Do you eat before your presentation or after the presentation? I eat before the presentation. Mm, okay. Yeah. Do you like large audiences or intimate audiences? 
I like audiences. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna make if you're gonna make me pick, I like a I like a large audience. I think the more the more impact I can make, the better. Virtual presentations, in person presentations, in person, in person all day, all day, yeah, all day, yeah, yeah, in person. Because I want to, because because I love that line of people after I get off the stage, right? Like I want to touch you. Listen, I'm a I'm a tactile learner, right? Like I really like pa- Pablo. Pablo puts his hand, yeah, so. I listen, I I respect folks's I respect folks's boundaries, but I like to be touched, right? Like I grew up in a very affectionate family. I like to I like to be patted on my back. I like to, you know, I'm a hugger, you know, like I'm Hispanic, we kiss hello. I don't do that to people that I don't know. Obviously, when I'm outside of Miami, I realize that that's not the North American greeting. But uh, but yeah, man, I like to I like to be close to people. (laughs) All right. And and I'm gonna and and I'm a super, super exaggerated. I'm sorry, AM, AM. Wait, super, super, you can't do, do oh, us like oh, okay. that. Super, oh, well, super well, exaggerated. Well, I'm, what, man? <laughs> I'm, I'm like the most extroverted person in the world. Like for oh. me, like being with people is like Superman staring at the sun. Like when I, when I leave, a, <laughs> when I come home from a conference after like three days of just like, hey, hey, how are you? How you doing? Hey, buddy. You know, like I come home to my wife and my wife just like, just please lock yourself in a closet for like three days because you're unbearable. Because I'm like on, you know, I'm on fire. So I, I, I really do get very energized around people. And see, that's funny. I am the complete opposite. I'm at a conference, three days. I cannot get on that plane fast enough. I'm the person who is sitting at the window seat, feigning sleep, okay? <laughs> because I'm not trying to be chatty Kathy on this flight. I yeah. need to recharge. I need to be alone and pull myself back together and get my battery back up to 100% again. Now- if I get a minute to get myself together, oh, strap on your seatbelt because I'm mm-hmm. going to be ready to chit-chat with you. Okay, last one. Do you prefer a new topic or one that is unfamiliar, uh, uh, one that is familiar to you? Do you like presenting on new ideas, new strategies, or those that are already in your wheelhouse and you can just roll with it? Yeah, listen, I never present on the same strategy the same way, right? Like I'm, I'm very much into the idea that you're, you're either growing or dying, right? Like it's, it's all about iteration. It's all about like, how can you learn from every single moment that you're a part of, right? Like what little feather can I add from the conversation we just had to my next conversation, period. And that's what it's supposed to be about. I know sometimes we'll have trainers who listen to the the podcast and they find themselves in positions where they're having to present on some of the same content over and over again. And your challenge for making it more exciting and more interesting for not only your audience who's hearing it for the first time, so they're Mm -hmm. cool with it, but most importantly, making it more interesting and exciting for you is thinking about what can I add? Was there an anecdote that I read or heard somewhere? Was there a news story that caught my attention that would weave nicely into this? Did I see some crazy billboard on my way here that would fit just perfectly at XYZ point in the presentation that I have this fabulous conversation. Did I read a book? I could go on down the list. Did I listen to a podcast interview? Did I stumble upon a new blog? Did I see something on LinkedIn? What is something that I can add? So it makes it less boring for you because it can be, it's easy to get yourself in a rut and not do anything differently. But my, oh my, how boring is that? Yeah. Just switch it up a little bit. Yeah, switch it up a little I, bit. I, I agree. Like you're, you're putting me right back in like my old like green building consulting days, right? Like I, you know, I, 
the beginning of my career, I started in Southern California. And when, when I moved to Miami to start my own green building consulting business, I kind of, I, I, I talk about going like back to the future, right? Like I felt like the, the California market was way more advanced. And like, I was talking about building performance. And when I got to Miami, they were just talking about this, like one specific certification around green. That's like the sticker that you get. And, and I would walk into every room, just like not energized. Cause I was like, how many times do I need to just talk about this stupid system? Right. But like the way, the way that you get pumped up about it is exactly what you just said. It's like, Oh, how do I, how do I incorporate the theme from breaking bads episode into like what I'm about to talk about? How do I, you know, like contextualize it to pop culture, come up with new analogies, talk about the last presentation about how this one person thought it was this, but it was that like, I, I gotta, I gotta come provocative. If not, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just not into it. And I think that, you know, when you're not, if you're not into it, if you're showing up thinking like, Oh no, I've done this a thousand times, it's going to be great. It's just not going to be great for the other person guaranteed it's not going to be great it's not going to be great for the audience it's not going to be great for you it is going to be painful getting through it trust and believe pablo if there was one last nugget of wisdom that you could give our listeners what would it be the human being is the quintessential social animal you know like we didn't get to the top of the food chain because we are the strongest or have the biggest teeth or are fast or have some like weird coloring or can breathe underwater. We got to the top of the food chain because one caveman looked at another caveman and said, you know what, let's get a couple of us together. We can take down a woolly mammoth and we can eat for a month and have clothes for a month, right? Like anything that you're going to do that is great is going to require your ability to communicate effectively. It's going to require your ability to assess the value and the people around you and bring that together into like a beautiful tapestry. That's it. Uh, No more needed. (laughs) Nothing else is required. Just add water. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Pablo, you have been absolutely fantastic. Listen, everybody, Pablo is a complete rock star. And let me tell you, if you are walking into a room and you're intimidated, you don't know anyone, then you've got to check out the five minute video on the bottom of his website, Connect with Pablo. It's going to help you connect in a room full of strangers. You have to check it out. I'll make sure it's in the show notes for you, but go to Connect with Pablo. Check out that video. It's going to change things for you. It's a game changer. Listen, everybody, uh, I trust you enjoyed this as much as I did. Pablo, I thank you. Thank you, Bridget. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. I'll catch you next time on the next episode. In the meantime, remember to always own the microphone. Mm-hmm.